Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's Word and consider how it applies to our lives. Well, good morning, everyone. I am excited to have this opportunity to, to bring the message um, to you, to God's people. That's why we gather, to hear from God. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1. We will be going through the first four verses together. Have you ever experienced miscommunication? Like, have you ever misunderstood someone? Um, it happens actually a lot. When I was in college, I was a part of the Army ROTC program. And the cool thing we got to do, it was at Oklahoma State University, we got to serve during the football games at the home games. There's different ways, things we could do. Um, we got to shoot a cannon off. Every time we'd score, make a huge sound to put the fear into the visiting section. Uh, we got to do push-ups on the push-up board uh, every time we scored. And anyways, a great fun. Well, one time I had the opportunity to be on that big cannon. And this cannon was right next to the visiting center, so they could, the visiting section. So in the middle of the game, we're making a field goal attempt, and I'm watching it, and I have earplugs in, because it's really loud, and the kick, and it looks like it goes in. And I hear uh, my commander, and I hear him, what I think he's saying is, go, go, go. So I pull, I shoot off the cannon, makes a big boom, and I take out my earplugs, all happy that I did my job. And all of a sudden, he's yelling at me. He's like in my face saying, why did you do that? What are you thinking? That, that, they didn't even score. And I'm like, oh, you were saying, no, no, no. But I heard, go, go, go. And I was, I was ready to leave at that point, but I had to stick it out. Uh, for the rest of the game, just hoping I didn't make that mistake again. Um, but you learn. You learn a lot about communication. Um, at least I do the hard way. So um, I thought he was saying one thing, but he was saying something else. Great. Communication, it's important, right? If you don't understand uh, what your spouse says or your boss or uh, a teacher, then it usually doesn't work out all that well. And the more important the person is, the more important is what they say. The more important the person, the more important the message. Understanding what God says is the most important thing you can ever do in your life. And I hope that this message will encourage you to listen to the Lord. So, in Hebrews chapter 1, we will read the first four verses. It says, Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. This is the word of the Lord. The letter to the Hebrews. 
is written to Christians living in Rome. They're Jewish Christians. They once practiced Judaism, but they have committed their life to Jesus. So the author hears that this church is being tempted to leave the Lord and to go back to their former way of life, to go back to their former practice. So he writes to warn them not to abandon Christ. It's a warning letter. Now, why were they being tempted? That's, that's a good question. Well, first, it's persecution. This believing community had experienced suffering and persecution. Some were thrown in prison. Some had their property taken away from them. In this time, in, in the Roman Empire, in, in the 60s AD, Judaism was considered a legal religion, so it had protection. Christianity did not, so it didn't have that same protection. So there's a temptation to identify with a group that the government approved of. Okay? The second temptation was they seemed to have lost confidence in the blood of Christ. They seemed to have lost confidence that Jesus' blood could actually forgive them of all their sins. So they wanted to go back to sacrificing animals, which to us today, it's strange, strange concept to sacrifice an animal, but to them, that's what they grew up in. And there's something like concrete, there's something, um, it, it, just to see it, every, it happens every year, so it's regular, so you sin, you sacrifice, you sin, you sacrifice, that seemed to give them some kind of, some kind of comfort. They're listening to other voices besides the voice of God, and they're being led astray. Now, in our day, plenty of people walk away from the faith. They grow up in the faith, and they walk away. It seems like every other day you have some famous pastor or some famous Christian artist tell the world he's no longer a Christian, right? You've probably seen some of that recently. But even in our own life, you can think of someone that you grew up with who decided, hey, I'm no longer a Christian. Now, we all will face our temptations. There are many trials, there's many difficulties, there's many different voices and different messages coming our way telling us to leave the Lord. Now, if you truly have given your life to Christ, I want you to be clear, you're, you're, you have the Holy Spirit, you're saved, you've been confident in that. Once you're saved, you are God's child forever, but that does not mean you won't face temptation. That does not mean you won't have to make choices. That does not mean you won't feel yourself being pulled away by other messages. So from my message today, as we go through these four verses, I want everyone in this room to understand one thing. Here's the big idea I want us all to get. God has spoken. Do not listen to anyone else. God has spoken, don't listen to anyone else. So as we go through these four verses, I hope that grabs a hold of you, and I hope God uses this message to keep you on this long and difficult but amazing and joyful journey of following Jesus. So this message will be in two points. The first point is God's final message is in his son, and the second point is God's son is greater than all. So point number one, we'll start in verse one of Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke. Let that sink in for a bit. God spoke. The God who is eternal, 
who has no beginning, no end, who created everything, who holds the galaxies in the palm of his hand, the God who the angels call holy, 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 the God who Paul described in 1 Timothy as who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen and no one can see, that God spoke. He spoke to people. And who did God speak to? He spoke to, it says here, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times in different ways. God spoke to real people in a real place, in a real time. It really happened. People like you and me, right, who has families. People like you and me who have homes and we have troubles and difficulties and celebrations. And God spoke and it changed everything. How did God speak? It says he spoke through the prophets. Okay, who were the prophets? Well, Moses was a prophet. Moses, who led the people out of, out of Egypt, was a prophet. And he wrote the first five books of the Bible. But we know of other prophets like Samuel. Uh, Nathan was a prophet to the King David. Um, in our Old Testament, there's 17 books, and they're all called books of the prophets, Isaiah through Malachi. So we can say all of the Old Testament is prophetic. From Genesis to Malachi, it's all prophecy. God spoke in different times. I mean, the Old Testament spans thousands of years of God speaking to people. And he spoke in different ways. So he spoke through Elijah, right, on Mount Carmel when fire came down from heaven, right? That's God speaking, right? He spoke through dreams. We know of Joseph having dreams and and the prophet Daniel um, and he spoke through songs, like King David, who wrote the Psalms. That's God speaking. So every word of the Old Testament is God's message. That means it's free from any error. It's pure. It's perfect. And it's authoritative. So you can trust it with your entire life. But it is incomplete. The Old Testament... And that's part of the Christmas season, right? It's anticipating a fulfillment. It's looking forward to a final message. The last message of God to his people. And that final message comes through his son. So in verse 2, we read, In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Do you know we're in the last days? We have been for 2,000 years. And it could be 2,000 more years, right? We don't know. We are in the last days. What does that mean, right? Last days kind of sounds very futuristic. Welcome to the future, right? We're in the future. What it means is that there's no more revelation. There's no more scripture to be written. There's nothing new for God to say or for God to do before the end. That's what it means. We're waiting on Christ to come back. So what we do now is tell people what God has done, what God has said. God has spoken his final message, and it comes through his son. So you want to hear from God? Go to his son. 
So point number two is that God's son is greater than all. So who is this son that we should listen to him? What's so great about him? What makes him better than everything else? Well, he tells us here. First he says, the son is the heir of all things. God has appointed him heir of all things. To be an heir, well, it means you inherit something, right? You, you, you inherit something. Jesus is the son, and Jesus has inherited all things from God. This is another way of saying that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the true Son of God who redeems the world. So this is actually a reference to the Old Testament. The author of Hebrews does that a lot. This is a reference to Psalm 2. In that Psalm, God is telling the king of Israel, I'm going to give you the entire world. God has promised this king of Israel to be king of the whole world, right? So Jesus is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, and that's why you should listen to him. He goes on to say, he made the universe through him. That's amazing. The one who inherits all things made all things. The one who gets everything was there when he created it. So that's, that's Jesus. He was with the Father creating the world in Genesis 1.1. The one who created all things inherits all things. He goes on to say in verse 3 that the Son is the radiance of God's glory. Radiance. What is radiance? Well, you know, I just Googled it, right? It's a definition here. Light or heat as emitted or reflected by something. Right? That's radiance. So if God's glory is the sun, Jesus is the beams, are the beams, right? Jesus is the beams coming from the sun. Jesus is the light beaming from God's glory. I don't know if you've heard this before, but some people like to think about what would happen if the sun just disappeared? If the sun just goes out, how, how long will it take for us on earth to know what happens? Well, the sun's beams are traveling at the speed of light, right? It's light. It would take about eight and a half minutes for us to, I guess, feel the effect that there's no more sun. So, so the sun goes out, the beams are still going, right? So that's a cool way to think of it, that just like the rays are connected to the sun, Jesus is connected to the glory of God. Do you remember that famous scene in, in Isaiah chapter 6? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And then the angels were proclaiming, holy, 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 is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. When you read in the Gospel of John, in chapter 12, John says that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory. It's amazing. It continues on in verse 3 that he says he is the exact expression of his nature. Jesus' nature is the same as God's. It's an exact copy, an exact reproduction. That, that word, exact expression, maybe your version says copy or imprint, it it's, comes from this time where they use this idea of a seal. When you stamp something, it makes an exact copy of it. That's the nature of Jesus. So, we worship God who is Trinity. When you Give praise to God. You're worshiping the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They are three persons, 
one God. It's, it's good to get who God is right so you can worship him rightly, right? So this is one of those passages that tell us Jesus is not the Father, but he is God. They are all the one God. So we worship him that way. Continuing in verse 3, another amazing statement. He sustains all things through his powerful word. We have this idea that the world and the universe is kind of like a clock or like a machine put on autopilot. Like God pushes it and it just goes. It's not exactly true. Yes, there's laws of nature. Yes, we can plan accordingly to gravity. It doesn't change on us. But the Bible is saying that God created the world and God keeps it going. The sun comes up because Jesus tells it to. It's saying that the sun is sustaining the world and it's all moving towards a goal. There is purpose in history. It's not meaningless. Jesus is bringing it to its point. So, it goes on to say that he made purification for our sins after making purification for our sins. So not only is Jesus God, not only did he create the world and keeps it running, he died for our sins. The God of the universe became man and died. You've probably heard of Yom Kippur. It's a day of atonement, right? And, the, and it comes from the Old Testament, and many Jews still celebrate uh, the holiday today. It happens every year. So in the Old Testament, God gives instructions to Moses on what to do on the day of atonement. The high priest would take the sacrificial animal, would kill it, and would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. This sprinkling was meant to purify the people of God. This verse is saying that Jesus' blood is that final sacrifice of atonement. He offered his own body, and it cleanses, it cleanses us from our sins. Have you ever felt dirty and gross because of something you did? Something you said to someone you love? And you can't take those words back, right? You can't undo what you did, and you just feel awful about it. Sin is grimy. Sin is gross. Sin sticks to you, and you cannot wash it off. You cannot make yourself clean. And you cannot get close to God with all that filth and with all that grime, with all that sin. If you want to stand in God's presence, you want to enter heaven when you die, you need to be washed clean. I mean, as a kid, I have two brothers, and we lived in the country, so I guess I'm kind of a redneck like Phil. I don't know. We love to do mudslides in our backyard. Like we would get the hose and get it all muddy and then we would just run as fast as we can and act like we're sliding into third base and we would just get caked with mud. And, you know, eventually you get tired of it, you get cold or something. Let's go inside. But there's my mom at the door, right? You're not coming in here. You're filthy. You got to get rid of all that filthy, gross uh, clothes. Oh, and you're going to take a bath. You're going to get washed. You're going to get clean. And like that feeling of that warm shower and you're clean and you smell, it's like, wow, that's amazing, right? But here's the thing, I got dirty again, right? I, I probably did the same thing next day or some other reason as a young boy, I got dirty again. But when you come to Jesus with your filth and your sins, 
He washes you clean forever. You can never be dirty again once the blood of Christ washes you away. You are totally cleansed from your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. The ones you're going to do this week. God has provided a way for your sins to be forgiven so you can come before him. Verse 3, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is another reference to a psalm, Psalm 110. You see the Old Testament is so important to the New Testament. God is telling the Messiah in Psalm 110, sit at my right hand because I'm going to take care of your enemies. Jesus is reigning in heaven right now on the throne. My niece, when she was like three or four, she asked her mom, Mom, what does Jesus do all day in heaven? It's a good question, right? And my, my sister, Megan, she's, she's a strong, godly woman. She gave a great answer. But she wanted to call me because, you know, I'm, I, go to, I was in seminary at the time and see what I would say. And I said something probably good, I hope. But here's our answer. He's on his throne, ruling, and he's controlling the universe, and he's saving people like you and me and preparing us to be with him forever in glory. Last verse here in verse 4, it says, So he became superior to angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. I love the song, the Christmas song we just sang, King of Angels. Right? The angels are worshiping the Son. He's greater than the angels. It may sound strange because we don't think of angels a whole lot in our culture. But why mention angels here? Well, the angels were associated with the Old Testament, with the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. The angels were considered to be part of this old covenant. So by saying Jesus is superior to the angels... The author is saying that Jesus' new covenant is greater than the old. He's telling them, you think the old covenant is good, well, Jesus is better. He's superior. So that's the son. That's how the Bible describes the son. He's more excellent than any name. He's greater than all. And God's message to the world and to us is fulfilled finally and ultimately and only in the son. So here's my question. Who are you listening to? Who has your attention? Who do you listen to the most during the week? Are you listening to God's Son or are you listening to other messages? You know, we don't realize it most of the time, but we're taking in all kinds of messages from the world. Through our cell phones, every, every week I get a reminder, you're your screen time usage went up 34%. I got that today. I'm like, man, what was I doing? Um, YouTube, but if you're wondering. Um, cell phones, television, music, podcasts, movies, books, people. Let me tell you something about our culture and its message. They don't like God's message. Culture doesn't like God's message. The world doesn't agree that Jesus is the only way. 
It doesn't like to talk of sin. It doesn't like to talk of repentance and obedience and future judgment and future salvation. It doesn't think God's plans, the world doesn't think God's plans for how we should live is right, true, and good. The message of our culture is this. Above all else, listen to yourself. Right? No one should tell you what you should believe or if you should go to church or how you approach God. You decide that for yourself. I mean, here's one example. I, I watched this show with my wife. It's called This Is Us. It's great. I really like the show, okay? Not everything about it, but it gives you the warm feels a lot, you know? So it's a great show. But here's, this is what happened in one of the episodes. It was Christmas Eve, and they're at the hospital, and this little boy is walking around, and he goes up to this, like, table, and there's a nurse there, and he sees a manger scene. He sees a statue of Mary, and he sees a menorah. And he says... If I want to pray, which one works best? And the nurse says, well, in the end, I say they all get the job done just fine. 11 million people watched that episode. And more has probably seen it since, since it aired. So many people watched that and were like, that's good. I never thought of it that way. God's word says that's not true. That won't work. You go to God through the Son. God decides how we approach him. We don't get to decide that. God decides, and he says it's through Christ, or you don't come at all. Our culture's message is powerful. Our culture's message is seductive. It captures the minds of people. It's making disciples. Our culture is making disciples. And it's promising freedom, but it leads to ruin. And so many people have their ears plugged, and God is saying, no, no, no. But they hear, go, go, go. But God's message is stronger than the message of the world. You believe that? God's message is more powerful than any message in the world. It takes out those plugs so the spiritually deaf can hear. I mean, one amazing story comes from a preacher named Charles Spurgeon in the 19th century. He's about to preach, so no one's there yet. He has a sound check, like we always do here, a sound check. And he just says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He says it with a big voice, just to check the acoustics. Didn't know it, but some other room somewhere, the janitor was working on something. And he heard that. He had no idea what was going on. He got saved. It, it found him and saved him. Another amazing story is a century earlier with George Whitfield, who's a famous, who's a famous evangelist. He preached all the time about being born again. You have to be born again. And he had his fans, but he also had his enemies, and there was a, a group of people who would make fun of him all the time. Do you have a friend or you know someone who's really good at mimicking someone? Like they can do the voice and the mannerisms. Well, someone could do that to George Whitfield, and he was like mimicking George Whitfield, and he was saying what George Whitfield says, and everyone's laughing. But then what he was saying struck his heart, and he got converted. He sat down in that time of mimicking someone and became a Christian. 
That, but that still happens. It's not just 100 years ago, 200 years ago. I mean, we just celebrated the conversion of a man who named Stan Brown who just went home to be with the Lord, who came to Christ. We just baptized people this past year. It's amazing. The power of God's word saves and it's still working today. It's a miracle. It's a miracle to come to Christ. Do you believe in grace? It's a miracle. I mean, for a teenager to say no to the message of the world and yes to the message of God is a miracle. And so we celebrate that and we rejoice in that and we trust God's gonna do that like he's been doing that in this church. So my message is to everyone, those who've been recently baptized and those who've been following Jesus for a while, keep on listening to God. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Are you a sheep? Do you know when your shepherd's speaking to you? Through all the different messages, through all the different voices, do you know the message of Christ is? So the son is on the throne. Listen to him. It'll be worth it. Because one day he's going to come back. And everyone who listened to him and did not listen to any other message will be saved. Let me end with this passage from Revelation chapter 19. This is a picture of what the son will be like when he comes back to rescue us. Okay, and it says this, starting in verse 11, Revelation 19, 11. Then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. And he judges and makes war with justice. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, Go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.